Good morning, church family. My name is Ruby Hines. Our scripture reading today is from Ruth chapter 2. Let us stand for the reading of God's word. Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, she is the Moabite, who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I have been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men, let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she gathered and it amounted to about an epa. She carried it back to town 
and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered, Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabite said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him because in someone else's field, you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished and she lived with her mother-in-law. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I just have to thank you, Ruby. I always hear God's voice speaking through you. And uh, I, I also want to say thank you, my sister Lavonne, for coming and singing Pentecost. I will never forget it. It was such a call to us to remember that the Holy Spirit is here. Holy Spirit is here, and, and we want him to work as we open this word. So... Um, in last week's episode of the story of Ruth, we saw in chapter one the migration uh, to rescue his family from being starved. A, a man named Elimelech had taken his family away from Bethlehem, the country of God, to Moab, which was a place that no God-fearing Jewish man would ever take a young family. And soon he died. And then, after marrying uh, two Moabite women, his two sons died, leaving his wife Naomi and the two daughters-in-law to survive for themselves as women in a man's world. Uh, one daughter-in-law, you know, Orpah, went back to her own country and to her gods, but the other, named Ruth, made a clear commitment to the God of the Bible and to her mother-in-law in those famous words, where you go, I will go, Naomi. Your people will be my people, your God, my God. So these two widows began, you know, their trip back to Bethlehem. Last week, we saw what I call the Hesed. Um, we saw it through Ruth, this immigrant Moabite wi widow. Uh, and it's a word that I want you not to forget. It's going to come up a lot today. You may say, Pastor, it's hard enough with English. Why Hebrew? Because I want you, to, there's no English word that captures all of this. That one Hebrew word, hesed, is a word that sums up almost all of the attributes of God with regard to the way he treats us. You'll find it translated so many ways in the Bible as, as love, as faithfulness, as grace, as mercy, as kindness, as loyalty. It, it's such a beautiful thing when we see it actually lived out in this young woman named Ruth. But it's kind of shocking to realize that it's being lived out among a person who we would call her a new believer. She hardly knew, she hardly knew Jehovah God. And last week we saw the return 
in the very last verse, verse 22. We last saw Naomi arriving in Bethlehem, but now she was a bitter, angry old woman. (laughs) Ruth was at her side, but nobody even seemed to notice Ruth. Look, Look at verse 19. She was an immigrant, and she was from this hated country of Moab. But there is a ray of hope there that breaks in as Ruth enters Bethlehem at long last. The famine in Bethlehem ends and the barley harvest is beginning. So this week we come back, and especially when Ruth had said this matter about your God will be my God, your people will be my people, the question I want us to wrestle with is this. What does it mean to live in this world as the people of God? Because we, we're thought of that way, right? I mean, so if we belong to him, what does it mean to live in this world practically? And Ruth 2 is going to show us that what it means is that for those of us who represent God as his people in this world, we are supposed to demonstrate in very practical ways the heart of God. What we read as the hesed of God to the people in the places that God sends us into. So that brings us to episode two. Verse two. Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I might find favor. So when when you read that, you see that Naomi and Ruth must have had a place of lodging, a place to sleep, right? But they didn't seem to have any other visible means of support. They they didn't have any food. Now, it's going to become clear later on in the story that that, uh, Naomi still had family there in Bethlehem. Surely, the family she'd married into, Elimelech, had family there. And those family members should have been stepping in (laughs) to support and help these two widows who had come there. Uh, you've got to know about it. It's a little bit different from us. Uh, the family was the basic support system for anybody who was in need. Uh, they didn't have welfare systems. It was supposed to happen through the family standing together in those difficult times. I, I'll tell you, God's law had given clear, clear commandments and obligations to family members not to let happen to people what was happening to Naomi and to Ruth. But, but the families did not step in to meet those needs. That's very, very clear there in verse 2. But God knew. God had always known that we wouldn't fulfill our obligations and the people wouldn't do so. And so God had given other kinds of commands to make sure that people's needs were met, not only when they had family members, but when they didn't have family members. And in particular, when there were immigrants that would come in, and there were many, as in all countries, immigrants and orphans and widows perhaps who had no family at all. So you have many commands about this. Places like Deuteronomy chapter 24. I'll just put this one up here because it applies so much to Ruth chapter 2. When you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back to get it. Leave it for the immigrant, the fatherless, and the widow. Why? So that the Lord your God may bless you in the work of your hands. Notice that. And he goes on to say, do the same with the grapes and the olives. And then at the end, he says, says this, leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. Because remember, you were once slaves in Egypt. And that is why I command you to do this. Do you notice this isn't a suggestion? <laughs> 
This is one of the ways that God was establishing for his people to be seen as being distinctive, as being different from the other nations around. The people of God were supposed to reflect his heart, his hesed, his ways in the way they treated anybody who came into his country. And somehow, Ruth, though she was new, she knew about these laws. But, though the laws were there, the people of Bethlehem were not as a whole doing what God commanded them to do. So again, when you open this second episode in Ruth chapter 2, these two widows were out there on their own. Because of that, Ruth has to go, and as, as was also a part of their custom, to her mother-in-law and ask permission to go out into the fields of Bethlehem to just try to find some scraps of grain that people were supposed to be leaving in their fields. Now, you've got to note this, or you're going to miss what's happening here in Ruth chapter 2. It was very dangerous for her to do this. Uh, sexual assault was widespread in that part of the world. Read about it in the book of Judges, and sadly, also in places like Bethlehem. That becomes a major theme of, in chapters 2 and 3. There's so many times when I have heard people teaching and preaching about Ruth, they seem to ignore this. Uh, Ruth was walking out into personal danger when she headed out that day into those harvest fields. Why would she do it? I'll tell you, as I've spoken with so many who have come in to our own country or other countries and find it hard to even know how to survive, this is why, as, as human beings, we've been kind of built with this strong desire to survive when, when we can't. They were starving. They didn't have any food. And that is what forced her to go out into very difficult places. I've found wherever I've gone and, and, and dealt with immigration issues, uh, when I lived in Germany, when I've gone to China and, and also here, that one of the main reasons why people try to get, have to get out of their homelands is because they just need to survive. Uh, Naomi knew that Ruth's decision to go out there was going to be dangerous. Did you notice it at the end? Stay there. You're going to get into harm if you don't stay in his field. But here it is when Ruth comes to her. Did you notice? She, Naomi doesn't wish her well. She doesn't say, I'll pray for your safety. She just tells her to go. I imagine that in her uh, depression and in her desperation, she just isn't thinking straight. But Ruth goes out, and it just is another example of the way that Ruth, this young woman, is showing Hesed to her mother-in-law. Verse 3. As it turned out, as it turned out, she ended up working in the field of a man named Boaz. I just love <laughs> how the writer of the book of Ruth writes that. Uh, you know, it wasn't written in English, right? It, it was written in Hebrew. And the way the writer of this puts it said is this, literally. By chance, Ruth chanced upon a field owned by a man named Boaz. By chance, she chanced. I mean, it just looks like her entering on the... There are all sorts of fields. I'll just go over here. It looks so coincidental, doesn't it? But if you were here last week, we already learned that things don't just happen. Somebody else is at work in even these difficult things. So, so I, you have to think about how this works. Ruth made a real decision to go into that field, Right? But, but at the same time, God was at work. As, at the same time as she was making a decision. And if you say, how does that work out? I don't know. But when you get to heaven, you can ask God. He'll have a better answer than I do. What Ruth didn't know is something that you and I already know as readers. Because I skipped verse 1. 
In verse 1, this is what we read, that this Boaz was a man of standing, and he was from the clan of Elimelech. You're supposed to say, ooh, or gasp, or something. <laughs> yes, it's the same Elimelech into whose family Ruth had married. Uh, you should think, aha, God is here. He's orchestrating something. Haven't you ever felt that in your life? You're making this decision, but you sense God is, is at work. And this description of Boaz being a man of standing is also very, very significant. It meant that he had uh, resources. It meant that he was a property owner. It meant that he was the boss over a number of employees. And especially it meant he was a deeply respected community leader. In, in our way of thinking, he was a man who had power and prestige. And when that happens... The question always is, how will he use it? And the answer that we get is, he uses it to further God's hesed in the life of this young immigrant woman from the most hated part, from Moab itself. Brothers and sisters, as I've thought about this, I, I think what we see in him is the way you and I live whenever we have any place of influence and anything we say or do can make a difference. And so I, I, what, uh, I could preach for hours from this. You wouldn't stay, but, but I could. But I decided to just boil it all down. Say, what does it look like then? What is, what is this living a life that actually shows God's ways to the world look like? And I've taken Boaz's life and I've boiled some things down for you. I pray that you would ask God, the Spirit of God, to work in you that, you might, that we might see that in your lives as well. Okay, what happens? Verses 4 to 16. Boaz sees. He sees. Notice, Boaz asked the overseer of the harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? In verse 6 there, for the very first time in Bethlehem, somebody actually openly <laughs> will acknowledge that, that Ruth is there. Uh, they knew she was there, and the overseer acknowledged that, but it was as if she wasn't there at all. And this is what I have heard from so many people who felt that they were minority people within a, a larger community. They say, well, I'm here, but it's as if I'm not here at all. It just feels like I'm invisible and nobody even talks about me or talks to me. So Boaz comes and he sees her. That's what I mean. He sees her as a real human being. And he asks to whom this young woman belongs. And what he meant when he, when he asked, who does she belong to, is this. What, what is that young woman doing over there alone? Doesn't she know that being out here doing this is dangerous? What, what family does she belong to? Who is there who is going to protect her? I'll tell you, he valued her as a real human being made in the image of God. And he didn't even know what you and I know, which we know that all human beings are so valuable to God that Jesus, the Son of God, died for all people. And I'll tell you, that changes everything. The Apostle Paul knew that. So brothers and sisters, how do we see people? You've heard me quote this passage before. It has to be one of my favorites in the entire Bible. I'm going to quote it again anyway. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 and following. Christ died for all. So now we can look at no one from the world's point of view. Down in verse 17, how do we see people? If anyone, anyone is in Christ, that person becomes a new creation. 
Boaz sees. And I'll tell you, Ruth is shocked when Boaz sees her. She asks down down in verse 10, why do you even notice me as an immigrant? And I'll just tell you, I believe that this is where us as God's people actually showing God's chesed to others begins. We begin to show God's ways to others, especially to those in need, when we begin to see all people as God sees people. He sees a second. He protects. He protects as well. So verse 9. Ruth, watch the field where the men are harvesting. Follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. All right, I cannot overemphasize in this sermon the danger that Ruth was in when she went out into the fields to gather crops that day. She was doing it so that she and Naomi would not starve. But I'm telling you, here she was, a young immigrant woman with nobody to protect her in a world in which abuse and sexual assault were rampant. And and sadly, Boaz, did you notice it? He knew that she was in danger even in his own field. So that he had to go to his workers and he had to tell them, you don't lay a hand on this young woman. The question is for her, how would she be able to continue to survive? How would a woman alone like this be able to to somehow be safe in a world like this when assault would inevitably come to her? And do you see what happened? Boaz, the man of standing, used his authority to protect her. And when he had secured safety in his own field, he turned to Ruth in verse 8, and he said, stay here and work. Stay here. Let this be your place of safety. Now, since I've come to California, I have heard the stories of people who have come into our own country and worked in our agricultural fields, telling me the same kinds of stories that you read about in our own state that we read about here in California. in the the book of Judges and in the time of Ruth. Of course, isn't it amazing that even as we've come to this passage, the book of Ruth, that just flooding into the, the media have been these ongoing reports of the dangerous place for women in the workplace. Many of you women, if you were preaching, you could you could say yes. So many still are, and and it seems to be everywhere. The news stories have come out in in the entertainment industry. Political world, have you followed that? This week, just, they just keep coming out. Business world, I'm sure even in religious circles. I think this has taken on a new meaning for us. What, what happens when people walk, walk into a place where when they walk into that place, they are in danger? And what I see God saying is, one of the things I do is I'm going to play it, plant my people in a community So that if they will live as I have commanded them to live, people will have a safe place to which they can come and they don't have to be alone. And our church should be one of those places. And then I read about Boaz going out into his business place. And as his life of following Jehovah, he was going to reflect that same thing to people wherever he was put. So when, when we go out and we are in our schools or in our neighborhoods or our families or, or if you, like Boaz, have some influence in a place of work, we, we see our employees and we use the authority we have to make sure that we're, when we are there and God has entrusted us to those leadership roles, we're going to provide a place of safety for people. 
Oh, I'm praying that this text, God will just open our eyes and help us to see how in this very, very difficult world where sin still has an influence, right? Even here in Southern California, that we will recognize God's planted us here for the same kinds of reasons he put Boaz in Bethlehem. He sees, he protects, then he provides. So look at verse 9. Ruth, whenever you're thirsty, uh, go and get a drink from the water that the men have filled. And then he turns to his men in verse 15. Gave his, these orders. Let her gather from among the sheaves, not just behind it. From among the sheaves. And don't reprimand her when she does. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to gather. Oh, it's clear to me when I read this that Boaz had this view of his uh, power, prestige, and possessions. Three Ps. <laughs> He had the view of those things that the Bible wants all of us to have. They were, they were not to be consumed upon himself. When God gives us things, not just to further our own ways, do you see it, but to be a steward of whatever God entrusts to us. A steward to use whatever he gives us to further his hesed, his kindness, his love, his mercy, his grace into the lives of others. So, so I love it. He made it so that Ruth didn't have to lug her own water there to work. He, he, made, he made it also so that at the, it looks like they had a sort of a, a, a business lunch table, doesn't it? <laughs> so he calls her over. You don't have to just chew on those stalks over there. Come over here. We have roasted grain. And he gave her so much that she even had more to take home. I'll tell you, what, what is God like? One of the things God is like is he is Jehovah Jireh. He provides. Through whom does he provide? through Boaz, who was reflecting his ways onto Ruth. So he sees, he, he protects, he provides, and he helps her to belong. Verse 8, my daughter, listen to me. Doesn't he sound like a dad? <laughs> listen to me, my daughter. Don't go and glean in another field. And, and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women, that phrase, with them who work for me. This man of standing calls this Moabite immigrant woman my daughter. He refuses to let her be alone and isolated out on the edges of the field. Instead, he brings her in to be a part of the women who work for me. And then he personally serves her bread and in grateful amazement, she can only say, verse 13, you have put me at ease. He's really saying, you've made me feel at home. You've given me a place of belonging by speaking kindly. And that word is hesed, speaking hesed to your servant, though I don't even have the standing of your servants. Now, the moments we have, I've got to bring this home. Because I've been thinking all week, God has something to say to us here. Do you think so? I've been asking the question, this should change our lives. This should change our church, and this should change the way you and I live. And I, how? Now, I've got to tell you, um, I, I can't show you this easily in the Bible. I'm going to open it up. You can't read a word back there. But I've got to tell you, the way the Jewish writers wrote was this. An episode like this would often have what, what's called a chiastic pattern. They'd start with something. They'd end with something. But the real heart of the matter was at the center of the episode. And, and the heart of this thing is found in verses 11 and 12. So let's look and see what the heart of the thing is according to God's word. 
Boaz said to Ruth, I've been told all about how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Do you find that to be beautiful? God pictured as that mother hen who when danger is there goes rushing off to a place and calling all the little (laughs) chicks to come and find protection. She knows them, she provides, she protects them. And God is pictured to be the one who says in this very difficult world, I want you to come under my wings. And so the question that comes in the story is, where does a person like Ruth, who had come into the people of God, where was she supposed to find protection in that world and provision? She was supposed to find it among the people. Are are you with me here? God planted his family there to reflect his ways to this world. She had come in, left her family to come in, and Boaz said, may you find protection in this place. But most of the people were ignoring what God had told them to do. The people of God, here's the principle. What God intends is for much of his hesed to be shown through his people. Most of the people were not showing any of that, but Boaz did. Who are the people of God planted here in Pasadena? Anybody want to look in a mirror? You want to raise your hands? We have been placed here in Southern California for a reason. This is a difficult world. We we are to make Jesus known through our witness, but we are also to live the kind of lives that demonstrate the love, the faithfulness, the mercy, the grace, the welcoming of God here in this place. It was supposed to be true in the Old Testament. It wasn't just there. It's in the New Testament as well. Where do I see it? When the Apostle Paul, since the call to carry the gospel to Gentiles, to non-Jewish people, he went to the spiritual leaders in, in Jerusalem, and he said, can I carry the gospel of Jesus to the Gentiles? And they said, yes, but, they said, when you do, be sure to remember the poor. Not a secondary thing. Gospel of Jesus caring about people who are in distress. And it's not just there. When the church leader named James turned to a group of churches and said, I want to tell you what real religion looks like in this world. Do you remember what he said? Chapter 1, verse 27. Religion that our God, God our Father, accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. I want to tell you, I see so much of this in the hearts of so many of you here at Lake Avenue Church. I just look around, I see people who have done this. Uh, It happened long before I ever got to come here. It's a privilege. Uh, This past week, you know, some of the people who have had this heart, God has been calling them home. Uh, We just seem to have way too many memorial services. Uh, This week, Roger Jensen passing away. Uh... Just a few days ago, John Heck, he sits right over here, passing away. Uh, This last Tuesday, memorial service for John Benton, 
I could say so much about each of them, but I'm going to say a wor few words about John Benton. Do, do any of you know about John and Elsie Benton? I'm going to put a picture up here because they're such beautiful people. They are the founders and the leaders of the um, Walter Hoving Homes. Walter Hoving Homes, there are, they started one in New York, uh, there's one in New Jersey, there's one in Las Vegas, and there's one right down here to the south of us on El Molino. Many of you have been involved there. I've heard about it already. You've painted rooms and you've done all sorts, worked on elevators there, all sorts of things. It's in our heart. John and Elsie uh, just seem to be living this life. So John passed away. And his grandson got up to talk about his grandfather at the memorial service. And, and he said this. He said, what guided my grandfather's life was so simple and concise. He didn't make it hard. What guided his life is I'm going to meet needs. I'm going to step in when I see needs. I'm going to meet needs in the name of Jesus. The real needs that God opened his eyes to were the needs of so many women in the urban settings of our world who have gotten caught, trapped in drug addiction or in trafficking or in all sorts of ways of life. And he just stepped in to begin to meet those needs. Did God do anything? Living a life so simply. So this memorial service, it went on a long time. <laughs> there was one testimony after another, after another, after another of women who came in. They found Jesus they, they found a place of protection, a place of provision, a place of welcoming, and their lives have been changed. Then I heard the numbers, over 23,000 women who have come through the Walter Hoving homes. And I thought, Lord, it's not just John and Elsie who should live this way. This is where you've called us all to live. What, what I see in them is what I see in Boaz. And, and brothers and sisters, each one of us, should live that way. So I want to challenge each one of us today. I pray that you will think individually, and I want us to think as a whole church about what it might really look like to live the kind of life that we see Ruth living in showing God's ways to Naomi, and then Boaz living as he showed it to Ruth. Where does it start? I think it can even start right here at church, don't you think? That perhaps as you come to church and you're out there eating, wolfing down a couple of donuts, and you could see somebody walking in who doesn't seem to, to really fit, or is at least alone, maybe in distress, that even we who are, well, I'm not one, but you who are introverts can just go and step up and say, welcome. And that if they can't get a donut, get one for them. And if they don't know if they'll have anybody to sit with, sit with them. It, it can just start here, don't you think? That we can be more and more that kind of place of welcoming and, and belonging, that nobody who comes will have to be alone. Then, if we learn from Boaz, when we go out into the world, that we, we have our eyes open, that God has placed you wherever he's placed you, in your school, in your community, in your home, in your business, to represent him, and you look for people to whom you can show the hesed of God. And please don't go thinking, well, that's only for the really, you know, super godly people like Ruth and Boaz. I tell you, they were not super people. <laughs> Ruth was just an immigrant woman. She didn't have anything herself, but what she had, she used to show hesed. And, and Boaz was not a pastor or a missionary. He was a businessman 
who just lived his faith wherever God put him, and God used him so powerfully. The book of Ruth is a call to each one of us to see people and to deal with people the way that God does, the way that we see Boaz dealing with Ruth and Ruth dealing with Naomi. I, I pray that because of us even coming today that God would do a work in our hearts that this local church might be a place where anybody who just comes in here might just know that they are coming under the mighty wings of our God. So episode two draws to a close. Um, the effect of Boaz's actions, his hesed to Ruth, meant that she took home that day, did you notice an F on, you thought, I wonder how much that is. It's between 26 and 50 pounds. I imagine like many Middle Eastern women, she carried that home on the top of her head. Uh, and she was going to be enabled to do this for the rest of the barley and the wheat harvests that lasts about seven weeks. And, and you know, Naomi, when she sees her coming in with all of this, she is absolutely astounded. She said, where on earth did you glean today? <laughs> and she said, well, I was in this field of this man named Boaz. And she said, that man is our close relative. Uh, verse 20, he is one of our kinsmen redeemers. And I'll tell you, with that comment, doesn't it seem like there's going to be lasting hope for these two widows? Because their pantry is now full. But at the very end of this thing, it looks like their lives are going to be empty again. They're going to be back to right where they started once the harvests were over. She's just going to be there with her mother-in-law. This episode ends with a thud. I can imagine you saying, I'm not going to come back for episodes three and four of this thing. <laughs> See, throughout the harvest, uh, Ruth had found this place of, of productivity and of belonging herself. But when the seven weeks were over, there, there's no evidence that she had any more contact with Boaz whatsoever. And yet... Uh, it seems like she had already begun to learn that God is there. And already it seems like she was ready to be faithful and to trust God, not just in the good times, but in the hard ones. And she was going to have to learn this again and again. And brothers and sisters, the same is true of you and me. We're on this side of heaven. There are always going to be times that you and I are in the places where Ruth and Naomi are. And God has placed us here together, together, to make known to one another and to all who enter this place the hesed of God. May, may we experience here in this place that we are all under the wings of of the God who is the maker of heaven and earth as we experience it here among us, his people. And it will be to his glory. Amen. 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 Let me pray. Father, how much I long that my life will reflect this personally. And that that will be true of each one who has come today, more and more. It really looks like Boaz had developed a way of life 
of showing your kindness to people. Father, do a work in our lives. Open our eyes to see people that we have not really seen before. Open our hearts. Open our our lives to be willing to do what we see you've commanded us to do and actually see what it looks like through these two choice servants. Father, we pray that we will be in this community what you have called us to be, a place of your refuge, a place of experiencing your protection, your provision, and your love. And for this we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.